welcome everyone this is it the moment you've all and by all i mean five of you have been waiting for it's here the first episode of high risk low brow it's me and nick right here baby we're here Nick's doing it we are yeah yeah nick bring it in come on we are we are it. we are 10 sec we're 11 12 we're in it we're in it we're here we're here we're officially i'm officially a podcaster now you have been so yeah yeah i mean welcome Thank you. I, it's uh, a quite a prestigious honor to be here. I didn't quite know that uh, it would be this comfortable. I'm in. Yeah, I'm in I mean, my. You, I'm you, in my gaming chair. I got my fancy headset on, and I've got my favorite beer. I just ate. I just ate a little bit of charcuterie. Uh, you know, like this is what this. This is why I want this to be my job. Yeah. This oh, is, absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah. if this was my job, instead of being screeched at, I would be a lot happier. My blood pressure would be a lot better. It'd be pretty cash money. And my dick's out right now. Yeah. Why is it? Why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't it be? Right. So no one if, knows. No Wait, one knows. But, or it's, is it? Or, or is, is it? it? Mysteries. It's Schrodinger's penis. <laughs> what do you think? So was Schrodinger's penis simultaneously both hard and soft until the moment it's observed? Math checks out to me. Yeah, it I has to, to be logically consistent. So does that mean all dicks are simultaneously hard and soft? Now we're, now we're in a meta discussion. Oh, now yeah. It's, it's got, <laughs> wow, episode one, a minute in, we've gotten meta. That's, <laughs> nothing about that surprises me. But, like, realistically, I feel like every dick is just fucking seconds away from being rock hard. I mean... Speaking from experience, you're not wrong. Yeah, no, I uh, less less than a minute away from being just rock, just rigid, like like borderline like, rigor mortis level of fucking just power. Like like like, when, when, like whenever you die and like a widow comes along and is like, oh, I want his sperm to have children, and they 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 stick that like electric probe up your butthole and shock your prostate and you just jizz everywhere. Like that's that's how like seconds away from being that hard. All right, Nick, so I'm going to embarrass myself here. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. Where can I go have that? Do they do it while you're still... Will they do it for me while I'm still alive? I don't know, but I mean, I, I'd love I, I'd love for you to find out. The answer's always no, unless you ask. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you, like you'd walk in there, like the medical examiner's office, like, hey, you know that thing you do whenever the widow wants the sperm and you just jolt their prostate? Hey, you ever done that to somebody that's alive? They're like, well... No one's ever asked. <laughs> they're like, and they're like, no, we won't shock you until you come. And I'm like, please, please, I need it. I'm so curious. And they're like, fucking that has right. to be a that has to be god tier orgasm. Give it to yeah, me. Yeah, dude, I need it. Like, I just need to experience it once. And they're like, no, kid, you can't do it. You'll never be the same. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then they pull like a curtain back, and there's like four dudes in there just murdering each other. Because they just they experienced it and they're not the same anymore. They're just different. They're all they're all like they're all hairy and they just all yeah. sweating profusely. Palms are so fuzzy because they're just tugging on it all day, trying to recreate that perfect orgasm. They're just like, come on, come on. They're pressure cooking it. This one guy's been edging for twenty seven days. <laughs> it's sting. It's it's, yeah, yeah, it's it's sting. It's sting. <laughs> oh, maybe that's why he became a tantric. I've always thought, like, honestly, I th I think about Sting being a tantric, like a tantric practicer, at least once a week. Like, I'm not kidding. I'm not <laughs> kidding. 
Well, at least once a week, because you know I uh, I I, mean, I, I, I do I be song Roxanne at least once a week. Yeah, and that you know you you, you hear you hear the the dun 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 and like you know like, they're like oh <laughs> I'm like I'm like dude Sting does tantric sex. Dude Sting does not come. He doesn't come. He just fucks. You know what I mean? That's crazy. Cause like, like I just me, can't I help. But I just come. I don't. I don't. I just come. <laughs> yeah. I, it's just uh, my partner gets undressed and I'm immediately like fucking. Like I just go. You know what I mean? But like, so maybe that's what that song is about. Like he's saying you don't have to turn on the red light and work because I don't stop. You're never <laughs> going back on the clock, bitch. I've got you. Like that's maybe that's what the song is about. Or maybe it's a really, you know, classical song that has nothing to do with the fact that Sting had... I wonder how long it's been since he's nutted. You know, I'd love to ask. I I wonder if he's, like, open about it, you know what I mean? Because everybody knows he's, like, a tantric practicer, so it's like... He's got I'm sure there's st- some people out there right now that are going to hear this and go, Wait, what? What? Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> Sting doesn't come! It's... Honestly, it truly impresses me to no end. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. Maybe we'll have an up. Ep- what if we get an interview with Sting? Dude, if we had, if we got Sting on a high risk, low brow before I got a current athlete on Knee Brace Radio, I don't know what I'll do. I don't know what because the the balance of time and money for high risk, low brow versus versus Knee Brace Radio, it'll. <laughs> Yeah, it'll sh- it'll shift, dude. Sting's like, hey man, I want to come on your show and talk about the fact I've never ejaculated within the past millennium. I'm like, millennium? How long have you been alive, Sting? And then you and I crack the case, and it turns out that's how you live forever. Sting's a deity. Sting's a deity. He's that's why he hasn't come. That's why he doesn't come. Coming takes you further away from godlyhood. You know. Then does that mean anyone I, who's been I, I have nothing to add to that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where to go from here because you and I are both the same kind of comedian where we will take a joke to its logical conclusion and then pause, squat, charge, and then jump way past that line. <laughs> way past the line of good taste. Yeah, I see the line of good taste. I recognize it, and I know that's how I need to pick up the pace and get ready for my long jump. You know what I mean? Like that's, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's how I know. You're, I'm you're like, you're like, you're like this is yeah, this this is a good stopping point, but have we gone over there? Yeah, like but <laughs> grass looks greener, baby. Grass looks greener. But we did actually come here today to posit ourselves as uh, voices in the video game community, as both streamers and um, occasional dude bros. We uh, yeah. we play a good bit of COD. Play a good bit yeah. of Codskis. A little bit of chads. We're kind of chads. We're a little bit of chads. Well, I'm not like I aspire to be a Hassan Piker Chad. Okay, Hassan Piker. If you ever listen to this show, I want you to know that I would do anything for you to just punch me in the fucking face as hard as you can. That's oh, all I want. Anyway, but yeah, so we play a good deal of COD. We play a lot of COD, and um, COD it's actually hard that. to stream other things because I have a list of games on my whiteboard. Like, oh, do this stream. That'll be sick. And then I'm just like, woo, Dubskays! And then we don't get them. But Yeah, you're, you're like, hey, I'm going to stream this game later. And then, like, later comes, and, you know, we're in, we're in a separate chat, and we're like, hey, are you going to play Call of Duty later? And, and Sean's like... 
fucking yes. <laughs> Bitch, say less. <laughs> and I'm uh, I'm just dropping in. You know, it's, it's sometimes you got to suit up, you got to throw the shoot, and you got to drop quarry and screech the entire time. Yeah, for sure. So, but we're not actually here um, to talk about Warzone. Yeah, surprisingly, um, in in my infinite wisdom of playing video games for a long time, um, I'm gonna take the stance. Uh, my uh, fucking Call of Duty, Black Ops, Cold War, uh, fucking sucks. I hate it. So, um, before anyone clicks off, this is going to be a fruitful discussion, and don't shun the non-believer just yet. So, Nick no and one I likes were it. no one likes it. No, it's a good game. I uh, so I at first admittedly fucking hated it. I was like, this game is dog shit. I'm good at COD. Like, I'm good at multiplayer. Like, I can drop... Like, you put me TDM just about any map, except for some reason... What's that fucking backlot on Modern Warfare? You know, the one we Toss always... Backlot, backlot? Is that the one where it's, like, the one warehouse and then the small yeah. houses and... It, yeah. Fuck that map. Fuck that map to death. Everyone, I don't care, come for me. Fuck that map to death. It deserves to die in a fire. But... Like, I'm good at COD. And I was getting my shit ran like hard in black ops like i was so excited for the game i played the campaign you and i both do agree on this the campaign's fucking beautiful yeah the campaign was a lot of fun i i enjoyed the campaign a lot uh, i I, I, I like the different it. choices you can make i li like i loved it i loved that no it was a very um, interesting take yeah for sure it's kind of a pick your own adventure sort of sort of feel to it but then you know you drop into multiplayer and, you know, I, I, I was late into Call of Duty Modern Warfare, uh, like Warzone. I hadn't played a Call of Duty since World War II. Um, not, like, actual World War II, but, like, the game, like, Call of Duty World War II. Hmm. And, you know, and I, we just played Gridiron on there because that was fun as shit. You know, playing football with a fucking soccer ball on a war game made no sense, but, man, was it fun. Um... My point is, I hadn't played a, a Call of Duty game since then, like, in earnest. And so I played Call of Duty Modern Warfare, and I, play, since playing it, this this Call of Duty is everything that a Call of Duty should sound like, look like. I know I'm, I'm taking exactly what, you know, one of your favorite streamers has, has said, but he's, it, it's, it's the words directly out of my mouth. It's everything it should, it should look like, sound like, feel like, move like, and... It's, it's just, it, it's, it's going to be, it, I don't know what I was expecting, but Cold War, as it is right now, is not what I was expecting. It moves funky. It, if, if Call of Duty is an arcade shooter, which one of our friends, you know, anytime I say that, you know, uh, that, that Cold War feels cartoony or arcadey, um, he says, well, Call of Duty is an arcade shooter. You know, or arcade, arcade first-person shooter. You know, if you want, you know, real immersive stuff, go to go to Battlefield. No, no. Okay, there's a difference between something like Modern Warfare, which call it call it a, a, a dark arcade shooter, but it's it's an immersive, like it's an it's an immersive arcade shooter. Until people start Halo jumping. Right. Now take Cold War. It is an arcade shooter, 
at like Dave and Buster's in 2006. Oof, God, that's a critical hit, Nick. That is uh that's an intense one, but I can see the point where you say it feels cartoony cuz to some extent the graphics do feel kind of unpolished. Like everything feels the, the, like weirdly they, they saturated. Leave so much to be desired. Yeah, it's weirdly saturated. That's what I've noticed cuz I, on the other hand, put a lot of time into Cold War. So, <clears throat> to give my backstory a little bit with um first-person shooter gaming, um I was less of a Chad earlier in my life i was uh, a lot more of a i'm alternative i ride a skateboard and i didn't want to play cod i played cod for a brief stint during modern warfare 2 when i was still in high school and i fucking loved it i will say that modern warfare 2 is still one of the hands down best call of duty games ever made like by far i think for its time it was it set the standard for good first person shooters so that was the last time I played. I started to play the first Black Ops, but I really only played Sticks and Stones when I was with you and our friends. Like, because that shit was fun. Sticks and Stones was cool. I love tomahawking people. Who the fuck doesn't? But, um, so I didn't play again mm. until you basically sent me an Xbox and said, please play video games with your brother. We miss you. Like, so I was like, right, yeah, I'll get back into the CODs. And so I picked back up at Modern Warfare. That is like a fucking 10 year hiatus. You missed a lot of good and a lot of, well, not a lot of good, a lot of bad. Uh, you, you, yeah. You missed Call of Duty Ghosts, we don't talk about that. We missed Call of, you missed Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, also, we do not talk about that. Um, Didn't Advanced Warfare suck too? Yes, that missed, that, that sucked too. Um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, it, you know, you, you hear Modern Warfare, like Modern Warfare, and you expect a certain thing. Mm-hmm. Modern Warfare 2 was just one of the best games ever, ever made it's ever. It, it's literally the pinnacle of multiplayer for me and first person um, shooters honestly i think it's one of the best yeah. first person shooters i've ever played and that's 100%. counting halo and i love halo yeah i, I never got into halo but oh, yeah. i mean i was i wasn't really an xbox guy growing up mm-hmm. um, i was because so, my family was poor and i got the arcade so i couldn't even play online but like i'm emotionally attached to halo 3 like as a story yeah. It's a good time. Um, but, yeah, so... Modern Warfare 3 came out, and it was... It was okay. Like, it, it like to compare it to Modern Warfare 2, it, you just couldn't do it. Like, you know, it, it was going to be tough to measure up to that. Sure. Then, Hard you know, Act Ghost, to follow. Infinite Hard Warfare, follow. Advanced Warfare, Black Ops 2, Black Ops 3, Black Ops 4. Um, you know, then Modern Warfare 2... Um, or sorry, modern, like, sorry, Call of Duty World War Two. Um, Wasn't that good though? I heard World War Two was good. It was okay. I, I mean, played like it briefly I, like I with said, Harry. We played, we played, yeah, we played Gridiron, and that was you know about the yeah. extent. I played TDM briefly with Harry, and uh, visually, it looked very good. It looked very mm-hmm. good. Um, the story was apparently really cool, and it was supposed to be like a little more like. Hey, the horrors of war are goddamn terrible. Like it was just like this is one of the most barbaric things humanity's ever done. Like no, I thought I, World War Two looked cool, and I begrudge the fact I haven't played it because it seemed really rad. But and um, Black Black Ops Four didn't have a campaign mode, which half half of the reason that I buy it. I mean, it shouldn't be because you know you you spend so much more time playing multiplayer and oh, the battle infinitely royale more. modes. Yeah, infinitely more. You know, you spend days of your life. Tens, tens, twenties, thirties of days, months of your life playing this game. Yeah. Um, 
and the campaign you pay for maybe 12 hours. Tops. If that. And that's two playthroughs. And that's two playthroughs. Yeah, like, so, I, uh, you know, half the reason that I buy the Call of Duty games is for the campaign. And the campaign, uh, Black Ops 4 didn't have one. So there's, like, mm, fucking, it's a social thing. Like, at that yeah, point. Yeah, it was, like it was it, just multiplayer, and, and it was their first go-round at, uh, at Battle Royale. And it was... Wasn't that the one man. on Alcatraz? I don't fucking know, dude. I, ba- I, uh, I barely played it, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, ba- I barely played Black Ops 4. Because um, the, yeah, the, 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 the Battle Royale was Blackout. And Weird. it was mediocre at best. Um, but then, you know, out comes Modern Warfare. And, I, and then, again, I, you know, after Black Ops 4, I, I decided, I was like, I'm, I'm kind of out on Call of Duty. It's, the game's passing me by. I'll stick to NHL. I'll stick to Madden. I'll stick to the show. Um, and, you know, finally, you know, at the behest of, of friends, they were like, hey, get this game. It's fun. Finally started playing, you know, Modern Warfare, and it's it's the closest thing I've played to Modern Warfare Two. Yes, and the campaign was goddamn good. Oh my god! I remember when I finished it. I immediately texted you guys. Yeah, I am. Oh, dude, there were so many times I was like, "Is that CGI or is that like live acting with like a, a filter over it?" Like, no, it was amazing. Like, and I agree with you. The Modern Warfare campaign. Oh god, it was so good. I had so much fun playing it. I was. Like, I was invested in characters in a Call of Duty storyline again. Like, Modern Warfare 2. That was the last time I gave a shit about, like, the characters. Ghost and, and Ghost and Soap. And, like, that was incredible. Yeah, or, like, the when What was the general's name? The guy who, like, steps out and, like, caps you when you're at that, like, the, the retreat in we the don't, woods. We don't and you're speak trying to, his name. We don't, we don't yeah, speak we don't, his we name. Yeah, we don't speak his name. He was a rat bastard. But, uh, yeah, after you do that breach and clear and then he betrays you, like, yeah, that was, like, fucking like that was one of the most insane moments in gaming and the fact it came out of a call of duty game because i know cods aren't known for the narrative drive it's not like it's fucking skyrim or fable or dragon age that's my partner's favorite game she fucking loves dragon age and like honestly dude i think we bought into the wrong franchise when we chose skyrim because apparently dragon age fucks way harder than skyrim like it's nuts but 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 that's like say what you will about them but they're just not done as well yeah, yeah. The, like, uh, as far as far feels... as graphics, as far as mechanics, it's just mm-hmm. not done as well as Call of Duty. Because sure. I mean, absolutely, Call, Call of Duty is a cash cow, and mm-hmm. and so you know the, these yeah. sort of indie, um, you know, RPG games don't get don't get or the even, cash. Even RPG games from AAA studios, I don't think, get the same kind of budgeting. Like there have been, I mean, like look at Bethesda. Bethesda is one of the biggest fucking names in gaming. And still, I'm willing to bet you the budget for any COD game, like, comparatively throughout history, for the, you know, design constraints, completely topples, like, any kind of, like, even AAA RPGs, I would venture to guess. Like, and that's so wild to think about. But, yeah, no, because COD is, it's a demanding fucking game. I bought a PC to play COD on, and my PC was like, no. Like, it was, because it's a demanding game. There's a lot to it. Like, think about... Warzone. That, that's uh, yeah. That's that's one of the gripes of um, of this game. Like it's it's one of the few, I mean not one of the few. It's it's one of one of one of the gripes that I have with this game is it's fucking. Huge. No, I mean I'm 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 singing this game's praises, but I mean every game's not without fault. Not every mm-hmm. game's without you know some kind of um, flaw. Oh, I can find and, something wrong with anything. 
Exactly. And but this game is just so goddamn big. It's yeah, like two hundred gigs. At least. At least two hundred gigs. But that's because of the detail they've put into this game. There's there's birds in Warzone. Why are there birds? They're just there to distract you. They're there to fuck with you and fuck those birds. I like birds. Like I'm one of those guys, I think birds are neat, I think they're cool, I would love to have a pet bird. Fuck those Warzone birds. Those birds are assholes every time because yeah. they're always by an area that looks like there's cover and then you're just like, is somebody moving over there? And no, it's not. It's just a fucking bird. But yeah, to, that does really speak to the detail. Like, I can't remember where I was. I was somewhere in Verdansk. I was with you and DJ. We we're in a building somewhere. We we're probably fucking with somebody on a roof because you know how we spend like the middle part of every Warzone game we play like, you want to get on a roof and snipe at people? Yeah. <laughs> and then get caught by the gas when we try to rotate out? Yeah. Like, that's... You know, we were up there fucking around, and I was looking at just the detail of some of the places we were, and I was like, bruh. Oh, we were at port. We were at port. There, The three of us were all in separate cranes. And I was up there, and I'm like, dude, there's, like, empty cans of Diet Coke up here. Yeah. Bro. There, there's and they beer moved, cans too. everywhere. Like, I ran over them, and they moved. I was like, what the fuck? That's not even just a texture. That's so insane. Yeah, it's so, so someone someone had to take the time to put physics on a beer can. Yeah, that's nuts. And that that alone cost thousands of dollars. Like, yeah, my boss and, and I and talk about this at work. Probably where it's two like, gigs. Two gigs, yeah. Easy. <laughs> Anytime I talk about anything in the software we use for work... I'm like, man, it'd just be a lot easier if we had this one button right here. It would speed this up a lot. And he's like, you know how much that button would probably cost? That's probably a $2 million button. Because the cost of paying a software engineer to get into the program and, you know, fucking dig through it and find... Yeah. So, like, thinking about that for something like a basic internet site that I do insurance shit on. Then think about it for a game that's live and 150 people drop in at a time. And I wonder how many... Active all over the world. Of, yeah, active games of Warzone. So 150 times X, however many games are going on. That's fucking nuts! The but server like, capacity, like, it's... Insane. Insane. It's, 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 it's like, like, you know, people talked about, like, you know, what the future is going to be like. The future is online. The future is online because just that type of computing power is... It's a modern marvel. It is. It truly is. It's something... Like, I, uh, I can't remember where I read this. I think it was on Reddit. You know how sometimes it's 4 a.m. and you've just been playing video games for seven hours and you can't go to sleep. So, like, I'll get lost in Reddit for 12 years. And I found something where it was talking about how far back in time would you have to go before somebody saw, like, today's technology and it made their head explode. Like, they literally died of shock. Somebody did the math. On, so, like, the first one, it's, like, late 1800s. Like, an actual cardiologist, like, with an, like somebody who studies the central... Is it an endocrinologist? The person who studies the central nervous system? Or that... I don't know. I don't whatever. Know I, smart. You're the one, I you're the almost one fucking... Degrees. Yeah, I have three college degrees, and I still don't fucking know. I know the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, though. But, like... Chlorophyll, more like borophyll. Yeah, I almost fucking failed biology in high school and in college. And I went to school to be a pharmacist. And I one semester in, I was like, oh, we got to go. But like, and that's why I was a political science and sociology major. So I could do podcasts. But um, to the point, like we talk about all this detail. 
And then we're creating this, you know, this edifice of knowledge, this mental picture in your mind. Uh, we assume the type of people who are interested in this show are also COD players or video gamers in general. So you can conceptually understand what it's like to play a franchise, you know, even if across, let's say, across the line, if you're a different genre gamer, just to create the example, the jump from Fable 2 to Fable 3. I'm more of an RPG guy myself. My favorite video game is a JRPG, and then, like, my... Another game in my top ten is a JRPG. Fire Emblem fucks. But, uh... So that decline... Like, Fable 2... I played Fable 2 for... I'm pretty sure I put several hundred hours into it. I put at least 200 hours into Fable 2. I love Fable 2. It's one of my favorite games I've ever played. But then when I played Fable 3, I wanted it to be over so fucking badly. And to give the worst example that I legitimately shed tears over. I'm going to put this first episode, I'm going to put it out there. When I played Kingdom Hearts 3, I had a serious, like, I had to stop the game, lay down on the floor, and fucking sob. Because I waited 11 years to play Kingdom Hearts 3 after Kingdom Hearts 2. I played Kingdom Hearts 2 when I was in the 6th grade. And then I played Kingdom Hearts 3 as an adult with a master's degree. That's how long I waited. And it was the fucking worst game I've ever played. It was the worst game. So that kind of transition, when you're in love with a franchise, most of the things they put out are at least good. And then they recently released something that feels like a masterpiece. Like, Modern Warfare is a good fucking game. That's what we spent the past 20 minutes talking about. Modern Warfare is a very well-built game. It's incredibly good. And then we get to Cold War. And it feels so different in a way that isn't positive. It, it it feels like a huge step back. It does. I can which, understand which that. Which disappoints me. Which disappoint and, and you know and you know T minus four days they're gonna integrate the two, and I'm 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 worried it's going to hurt my hurt my game. That got delayed. Yeah, because it's not gonna work. Yeah, because it's not gonna work. Like how they're the gonna break it. Yeah, I just want a new map. Honestly, I'd love a new map. But yeah, they did delay the integration because, like, I don't even know how the fucking games are compatible. Like, like especially since there's overlapping guns. Like, look at some of the guns that are in Cold War, like the AK. The AK's a fucking problem in Cold War. I started putting levels on it. Mine's at, like, level 37. I'm almost there to having basically everything, but... Why? They're going to nerf it. They're going to fix it. So for those of you who don't know, there's a way to build the AK in Cold War where it has negative recoil. Like, you have to do next to nothing to keep your sights on whatever you're aiming. And if you're a headshot machine, you're basically a god now. So it's the AK's fucked, but like, how does that stack up compared to the AK of Modern Warfare? Because the AK of Modern Warfare is dog shit. It's fun, but it's dog shit. <laughs> yeah, it's dog. It, if you, it's like what? Oh, it's like picking up the invincible arsenal in Warzone, where it's like, man, if you can hit those shots, that shit'll rip through armor. But good luck hitting them fucking. That gun has so much kick. I watched that clip DJ caught, where like Nick was firing, and I'm off to the side trying to like line up a shot because you know I'm a turtle and it takes me twelve years to aim at something. And uh, Nick's just, like, tearing into this dude, but the, the recoil on this gun is fucking it, it, took, it took four shots to bring him down. Yeah, four shots, but you emptied a clip trying to get those four shots. So, like, the AK is the same deal. So how does a gun that goes from being wildly inaccurate, having the recoil of a fucking moose, 
go to being the most accurate gun in the game. How do you coalesce? Like, I feel like objectively, I'm going to be playing Cold War guns. When it, when it patches through, my M16 is done, and it's done for a fucking reason. And that's another thing about Modern Warfare 2 to loop back real quick for a quick caveat. The M16 is the best fucking gun in any game. Do not come for me. It is the best fucking gun in every game it's in. It's a hill I'm willing to die on, Nick. It's a hill I'm willing to die on. The M16 is the greatest goddamn gun humankind has ever made, other than the M1 Garand, which that is it's in a league of its own. All right, go off, King. Yeah, a man's got to have a code, and mine is that I love two guns, and two guns only. But, like, and then the MP5, which is the opposite problem, it's too good in both games. Like, it's just the MP5 fucking shreds, and if you're an even decently competent player, you will fuck on everybody. So, like, the structural elements of the game, the graphic elements, the gameplay is kind of fucking like i don't know i i normally am a hardcore guy i play hardcore everything when i play multiplayer on modern warfare because i want to challenge myself and enjoy the game and i don't like hip fire <laughs> or hip hip markers so i uh you know i do tend to prefer hardcore cannot fucking play hardcore on modern warfare i went like two and twenty nine one night it was me you and jake we were playing and like the enemies had three attack helicopter it was just it was gobbledygook it was fucking malarkey it was just goddamn ridiculous man i had such a bad bullshit time. if you will it was bullshit it was fucking bullshit but i started playing core at the recommendation of one of our friends i have a 1.26 kd now i've gone negative two times in the past 50 matches i've played so I think that's part of my emotional attachment to the game because I'm doing well. And I got in early enough to where, like, I can salvage my KD. Like, I can just have a good KD now. Like, and I'm trying to hit that 1.5 mark because apparently 1.5 in Cold War means you're pro. That's the pro standard. So I'm close. I'm close, Nick. And that's, that's my only concern about you not playing because when it comes time... You ain't gonna have them Cold War guns, baby. You need that XM. You need that... Well, the XM4, you need the M16. I don't think the sniper rifles are gonna be that good, though. Because... See, and that's another thing that's gonna feel weird about patching the two over. Sniper rifles in Cold War are dog shit. And in Modern Warfare, we have the Card 98. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is... So much fun. It's the most fun game... It's the most fun gun ever. It's... I, I actually, when you texted me and said, hey, I'm ready, I was in the middle of a game on Modern Warfare, playing multiplayer. I was playing hardcore team deathmatch on Scrapyard. And I was quickscoping people with the Car 98. I have, one, I have my gold Car 98 that's just built for quickscoping. Like, it is, because that's how I practice for Warzone. Just getting used to just, whoop. And uh, you know what? I was fucking on people. Oh my god, it was disgusting, Nick. I was just. Oh, I was hitting so many shots. It was so good, but like it, it's just weird. They're they're gonna they have a tough road to hoe, for sure. Like it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be awkward. It's gonna be uncomfortable, and I'm pretty sure they're gonna piss a lot of people off. Yeah, but I mean that's what it is. I mean that's part of the process. Like, and I, I'm a firm believer of if you're really critical about anything, it's because you love it. Yeah, absolutely. 
I have a higher expectation for the things I like. And, and things people. I don't like. Yeah, and people. Oh, man, and people. Like, I, you know, that that's a fair thing to have, though, because, you know, looking at... You and I are almost 30 now. Sucks don't, to say. Don't look it. We're still very handsome and very youthful looking. We're... I have bright dyed blonde hair, and uh, so I I will look youthful no matter what. I'm telling myself that this is for my self esteem, but like you know, you'll listen back to this later. We'll listen back to this and be like, "Oh, that did not age well," and neither did I. So, no, just self affirmations. Like I'm handsome. I'm handsome. I, I'm, I'm handsome. handsome. I'm, I'm very handsome, and I'm very good at Call of Duty. But aside <laughs> from our Call of Duty act, I'm not good at Call of Duty. I am a fucking potato. But um, I have my moments. I'm a wild card. I'm either gonna win. I'm either gonna clutch up, or I'm gonna shit my pants and cry, on stream. But <laughs> to caveat away from that a little bit and talk about, you know, in the same vein of growth and progress of a, you know, Nick and I have both progressively gotten better at video games. Nick's actually really good. Don't let him fool you. But uh, you know, as far as growth goes, uh, so re- I actually decided to um so i'm one of those friends who will ask you to watch something but not elaborate or not explain it at all i will give the vegas description like yeah it was really good i watched it and i thought it was good you should check it out and nick Mm -hmm. being a really good friend just trust me when i do things like that he's like oh he's recommending me a movie i should check it out and i'm like ah (laughs) motherfucker you're gonna learn today so i recommended nick a documentary nick would you like to segue us into this yeah, so um, we've both watched the, the, the documentary, The Mask You Live In. Um, and I, here, I have a little film summary brought up about it, just to give like a little... little uh, I can't think of the fucking word. Summary, there it is. Um, growing up is never easy. There are so many codes of cultural context to learn, societal rule books to adhere to, and accepted norms to understand. Hardest part of it all... It's thrown at us in fragmented bits and pieces, and seemingly flippant uh, phrases and, and at offhand moments. Arguably, the core typecasting role we are all hand for birth is based on gender and the norms that surround it. The overbearing classifier that never leaves our side. Um, and, you know, the, to, to narrow that down even more, um, do you ever wonder why men are more associated with violent behavior than women? Um, have you ever questioned the, questioned the machismo um, that is equated with masculinity, why boys don't cry, why the tough guy image is so perpetuated, why, you know, like we were just talking about Call of Duty, why, why every guy in Call of Duty is this tough, grizzled, five o'clock shadow, I have a, a cigar. beard and I don't play by the rules. Yeah, exactly. I'm a take-charge exactly. kind of guy. It's like a new-age John Wayne archetype, even. Yeah, yeah. Like, but, yeah, so I asked Nick to watch this documentary, and... Uh, I have, so I had to watch it as per one of my gender classes and during my sociology degree and I loved it. It really did strike me because I was one of few men in the sociology program. It's not exactly a major that attracts a lot of men, but, um, my professor was also a man who was currently working on his PhD. He was a cool guy. I I really like and respect him. It's, I can't even remember his name, but I remember his face in my mind's eye. You know, people like that where it's just, they influenced you and it's kind of, you may not remember them perfectly, but you're never going to forget them. So uh, he made us watch this documentary, and he, you know, personally asked me my feelings about it because I was one of the only men in the room. And uh, it's a powerful documentary, I will say that. For men especially, 
for women, I, I will say I feel like you're going to watch this and kind of have a no shit kind of answer to it. Because, like, you know, as the uh, participant observer, to use that kind of verbiage, you know, women are a lot more, you know, aware of male behavior as opposed to we are because, you know, not exactly the best at self-monitoring. You and I are decent at it, and that's why we've had the capacity to expand and grow as people. But this documentary did really changed the way I look at a lot of things. And even, you know, Nick and I have been friends for a very long time. Like, I mean, I've known Nick since I was in elementary school. And pretty much since we were, like, 18, 19, we were pretty much attached at the hip. And, you know... Yeah, we've, even, been, we've known each other for almost 20 years now. That's fucking crazy to think about. Yeah. Almost 20 years. Like, I mean, that's that's crazy to think about. But, like, you know, Nick and I... That really serves to our advantage for thinking about ourselves as people and looking back at our lives and reflecting on who we were, you know, to reference a Dave Chappelle sketch because he's the best to ever do it. You know, he the, the sketch, The Three Daves, where he mm -hmm. talks about Dave at 18, Dave at 24, and Dave at 30. And uh, I think that's really interesting to think about because, you know, Iggy and Nick at 18... And Iggy and Nick at 23. And even now as we approach 27 in a couple weeks, yeah. the birthday's coming up. Now they just suck. Now they just suck. Now I'm just like, ah, I just want to fucking drink gin and be left alone. But Now I just act like they, they don't exist. Yeah. It's just a, and then someone asks me how old I am and I act like I don't know. Oh, yeah. No, I forget how old I am all the time. I still tell people 25. That's not fucking true anymore. Yeah. Like, no, I'm just, uh, I had to text my mom the other day. I'm like, Mom, how old am I? She's like, go look at your fucking license. I was like, oh, She's like, okay, how, how old am I, Mom? She's like, I don't fucking know. For the longest time, I thought my dad didn't know my birthday. He used to fuck with me and get the day wrong every year, but he guessed the same day every year. So I genuinely thought my dad thought my birthday was on the 23rd. My dad actually doesn't know my birthday, so. That is, uh, all right, well, you win the trauma Olympics, I guess. Well, <laughs> That's that's powerful stuff. That's 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 unfortunate, but at the same time, and my mom also forgets how old I am sometimes. So, yeah, like I've met your mom. <laughs> the times I'd go over to your house to hang out were always fun. Because it was always <laughs> they were always eventful. It was always so much fun. It was always so much fun. Because as soon as I walked down that big ass wooden staircase down to the the basement layer, I'm like, oh yeah, it's go time. <laughs> getting ready but to to cycle back to the documentary uh, ultimately the thesis is you know the phrase that a lot of people don't like but i understand and it's the most concise way to say it is the film does talk about toxic masculinity and the the social construct of being masculine and before before you tune out before before you're like ah fuck you you know you're fucking pussies um what like my, my question for that, that person that, you know, is like, you know, like, oh my god, like, tax and doesn't fucking exist. That's, that's horse shit. That's just a bunch of, like, bunch of shit made up by feminists and pussies. You know, why, why, why is it that, um, why do we have to be, why, why does masculine tie so much into, um, suppressing your emotions? Like yeah, why, 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 why to be a man? Why to be, why to be, you know, a, a dad? Cause I'm a dad, 
you know, for, yeah. for you, know, if, you know, mixing audiences here. I don't know who knows this. I'm a dad. And for, you know, for my daughter to be born and it take me, you know, like, for, for me to be, like, fucking, you know, I don't know, like, something you order off the internet. Like, uh, please allow four to six weeks for processing. You know, why, why do I have to take this time where, you know, my, my wife uh, in February, you know, um, she told me that we were pregnant. And when we were trying, like, we had been trying since October. So, you know, October to February, you know, we were, we were trying. And uh, basically what that means is I was dropping big fucking cums in her. But... <laughs> uh, quick caveat. I've always thought it was so weird how socially acceptable it is to say, yeah, we're trying for a baby. It's like, sick, dude. You're just nutting in your wife all the time. That's crazy. <laughs> like, that's so weird. Like... You know, imagining, like, being in that role and, like, being married and looking at your partner's parents and be like, yeah, we're trying for a baby. And just, they know. Like you, you they just know. Look at him and, and the dad's like, oh, God, you're just dropping fucking cums in my daughter. <laughs> as many and as often as possible. See, that's... So, so yeah, so, you know, we had been trying for... You know, four four months, and um, and you know when we when we decided that we wanted to have it, like start having a child, I, you know, I told her I was like, because she was like, what are you, how how are you gonna be when I tell you? And I was like, I was like, you know, I'm I'm gonna be honest, I'm kind of a broken person. <laughs> My emotions are kind of broken. Um, so I was like. You know, you see those videos on the internet of like the, the the wife telling the husband, "Oh my God, we're pregnant," and they cry and they hug, and it's a beautiful moment because they've been trying, and you know this is the most happy moment of their life. Um, my wife knows this. You are never, ever, ever going to get a moment like that out of me, and it's <laughs> not because I don't want them. It actually sucks that I can't have them. I like it, like. And my eyes start to burn right now. Like it, it, it hurts that I don't have those moments because, you know, my wife told me she was pregnant and the most emotion she got out of me was like, no fucking way. Like, that's it. Like that was it. I was like, oh my God, baby. We, like we did it. Like, we did it. You know, she, she starts crying, you know, she's, she's crying. She's so happy. You know, like we're going to have a baby. And the most emotion that I can elicit for my partner as we're bringing a life into this world was, oh my God, no way. And the question is why? Why to be a man? Why, why do I have to resort to just being like, or like, you know, even, even like, oh my God, wow, that's crazy. Like, oh my God, that's why. That's wild. wild. Like, yeah, like why, for, what, what has conditioned you? That like, because for all intents and purposes, looking back at something like that, that was a successful male response to that news. For that standard we're critiquing here, <clears throat> you passed. You passed that test. But like, yeah. why is that the order for us as men to not be emotional? And I am, uh, I am much like Nick. I am also a broken person per se. I'm. I've accepted it. I think I'm at least I'm hilarious. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the that's the opportunity costs of being Nick funny. Nick Cannon's hilarious. Oh man, fuck Nick Cannon. <laughs> I'm hilarious. 
But like, I, uh, it's very weird to think about why there's this pressure. And that's what the documentary really ultimately tackles. And I think one of the most interesting parts that I definitely wanted to speak about was the role of alcohol in the toxic masculinity in the example of a friend group. So my immediate friend group for most of my like early adulthood, it was me, Nick, and our other brother, who's a part of this triumvirate as well, Harry. The three of us were inseparable. We did everything together. Like you could routinely find us passed out on a couch together with beers in our hands that was that was my early adolescence you the, guys the, the, the next morning trying not to throw up eating you know harry's mom's grits oh god but those i dream of that breakfast some fucking biscuits man mama had the best goddamn biscuits. the cheese biscuits like that so simple so so well done fuck it up mom or dad's eggs dad's eggs were the best we can't tell you the secret on air we can't tell you the secret but if you ever luck out, that's what we should do, Nick. When we get big, we should have a breakfast charity event, and we should have we should get mom and dad's recipes, and we should cook everyone a Ferguson breakfast. <laughs> Be fucking lit! Everyone gets to taste those eggs, and like, damn, they look kind of runny, but like, it's the best eggs I've ever tasted. And I'm gonna say, goddamn right. But uh, so. I was constantly with Nick and Harry. They were my closest friends and, for all intents and purposes, my legitimate brothers. But there's something interesting about that dynamic between the three of us because, like, you know, Nick and I are a little more emotionally inclined, myself being the extreme, and then our friend Harry being the exact opposite. And it's so strange to think about the examples given in the documentary about how these things apply to your own life and to look at the alcohol part because you know we were 19 we were in college let's fucking drink baby that's what it was that was our that was fun that was recreation and i learned you know in hindsight many years later i think it was four or five years later when i saw this documentary that it made me critically reflect on why i loved drinking with my friends so much and it was because there's this kind of social camaraderie, but that's the intro, that's the hook, that's what gets you. But then it gets to this point where, you know, being drunk is the only time you're allowed to be emotionally honest. And there's this, you know, there's that social acceptance like around men where it's like, you gotta be tough, you gotta be strong, you can't be on some, I'm doing air quotes, but you guys can't see me, quote unquote, weak bitch shit. And that's really not the case because the the toughest things I've ever done are be honest. You know what I mean? About hard emotional shit. It's one of the hardest things I've done. And I survived grad school. <laughs> and uh, like it's and I work in insurance. So I, I've dealt with tough and still saying some of those hard emotional things are some of the hardest things I've ever done. Or faced your demons or the things that haunt you. I had a fucked up childhood like most people did. And you know, I'm I'm a Stop bottler. That. Stop it. Yeah. Stop. What? what You're minimizing it. Stop. Oh, yeah, you see, I'm minimizing it, but, uh, that, I mean, that's part of it, like, accepting that you no, had... every everyone didn't have a fucked up childhood, you oh. had a fucked up childhood. Oh, okay, okay, so apparently, I'm, I'm just now learning that my trauma deserves attention and should not be pushed under a rug. See? Look how fucking ingrained it is, that's the point, like, even in that moment, like, that's the thing, it's, um... There's this cultural conditioning to downplay things, and Nick and I both are the same breed of a coping mechanism where we're just really goddamn funny. 
Like, uh, we're the funniest people ever. But, like, it's... <laughs> no, except Dave Chappelle. Like, honestly, I was having this conversation with my partner recently. That Dave Chappelle is the funniest person who's ever lived. And that is, like, honestly, Dave, intro- Dave introduced me to what a good joke looks like, what good sketch comedy looks like, and most importantly, race relations. That was where I learned to fucking think about race. I was 10 years old watching Chappelle show, and I'm like, huh. But, like, that, you know. So, anyway... We're the funniest people, with the exception of Dave Chappelle. And maybe Tom Segura. I love Tom Segura so much. But the, uh, the point here is, it's, it's fucked up. We're put in this box where it's don't talk about your feelings unless you're drunk with your boys. And then you can talk about it because then it gives you the social security of... No, dog, I was drunk. Don't bring that up. You know, we were all... It's like this kind of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas type mentality about those emotionally honest moments where you're able to, like, you know, whether it's opening up about your fucking childhood trauma, how you feel, or, you know, your ambitions or your dreams, like, things like that. Like, it is... There is this context that we have to stay in line or, you know, it's... It's a failure. It is a moment of weakness where when really it's actually a moment of strength. It's, I think it takes a lot more strength than anything to actually just fucking own it because it's hard. Because, because dealing with the things are always harder than just laughing at them. Like laughing at them is a healthy mechanism to keep yourself sane, but at the end of the day, that can't be all there is. You have to be able to grapple and reconcile with these things. And that's really hard with the box we get put into. So that's yeah. Um, that's, sort of, sort of building off your point, um, you know, you, you you're, you're talking about laughing at laughing at the trauma, you know, like like oh man, that fucking sucked. Um, you know, uh, sort of a, a seminal moment for me um, as far as uh, mental health goes. Uh, uh, January twenty sixth, uh, two thousand nineteen. Um, very close friend of mine. Um, was in uh, a, a really freak accident. He was on the Outer Banks of North Carolina. He was longboarding uh, with his cousin, and they weren't wearing helmets. And my friend, um, my friend Dylan, he lost control, fell off his skateboard, hit his head, um, and he never woke up. He um, slipped into a very deep coma, and in, for for my money, uh, he was brain dead basically on impact. Um, I don't, I don't think he, you know, I don't think there was ever any glimmer of consciousness. Um, basically he, he fell, hit his head, cracked his head open. Um, and he was airlifted to Norfolk, uh, Sentara hospital. Um, I was still, I'm, I'm, I live in Maryland, so I was still in Maryland. Um, I drove about 90 miles an hour the whole way here, the whole way to Norfolk. And, uh, for the next 72 hours, I probably spent about over 40 of those hours in that room holding his mom's hand. Um, and I didn't cry um, until they were wheeling him in to, to harvest his organs. Um, the whole time, uh, every second I was in that room, I was telling a funny story. I was telling a, telling a quick joke. I was trying to take care of other people because that's what it meant to be a man. Um, meant, what it meant to be a man was like, you know, like, you know, hey, you know, we just got to hang in there, hang tough. You know, you got you know, you to man up in those situations. 
Um, and in the, in those situations, it's you know I I didn't I didn't get to I wasn't I didn't get to deal with those emotions until I was confronted with never seeing him again, like never never seeing his face um, physically again. Um, and it was then that all of those emotions hit me at once, and I don't know. You know, some people might know what I'm talking about, but I don't know if you ever felt your heart physically break. Um, but like it was like, you know, they're, they're like, oh, my my heart broke at that moment. You know, I mean, like, no, 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 I can I can assure you, my heart broke at that moment. I was doubled over. I couldn't breathe, and I was, you know, I I was, I never felt anything like that. And I didn't want to feel that anymore. And I, I realized it's because I had all of that pain, you know, in my chest that I just wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't addressing it. I wasn't confronting it. Whenever I found out that he was in an accident, first thing I did was like, I got out of the shower, got in the car and left. Yeah, you, know you immediately like, began it, it, to solve, you try to problem solve. Yes. Because that's the I, I, definition I, of what, what your idea of being an effective man in that situation is. Me, me never going to a single day of medical school. I'm gonna solve something by being there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, me being that, there. That's that pressure fix on it. you. Everything's exactly. Um, you know, like that. That can't happen to me. Mm-hmm. And I can do something about this. Like, yeah. There's... And, and and sure enough, when I got there, you know, I started calling all of our friends to tell them what had happened, to try to get them there to see him. And when eventually there was nothing left for me to do except hurt I got all of those feelings at once and that's the problem um, with bottling them and putting them away because if you can't digest them at the pace at which they're coming to you which is hard I don't know too many people who can do that but uh it makes it very hard because eventually those little bottles you're filling up form a tidal wave and then like what happened to Nick you just get crushed in the undertow that wave hits you and it decides you're going to deal with it, and you're going to deal with it now. And there's not anything you can do about it. It is decided. It is time to feel it. And it's and, hard. And it was at that point that I realized that I, I needed to go to therapy. Because, you know, um, and through therapy, you know, I've, I've, I've discovered a lot of things about me um, that I didn't know about me. And, and, and in, in those things, like, you know, I, I don't know if I don't know if you can attest to this, Iggy, but I can I can kind of remember the day that my mom stopped coddling me, and I don't think coddling is the right word. I think I can remember the exact day that my mom stopped treating me like her baby boy, mm-hmm. and she started treating me like a young man or what mm-hmm. she believed a young man is supposed to be, mm-hmm. and I didn't know why. I, di- I didn't know why mom I, I didn't I didn't know why I was being punished I didn't know what I did wrong and um, and you know and, and then you know I was sensitive growing up you know like in middle school you know I cried a lot and and, and that turned into you know like stop being such a pussy yeah Dry, and you were a football up. player and you were a football player and I was a football player, player. you're an athlete and I was one of those people where when, when I got angry or when I got frustrated I cried <laughs> 
I still do that, and I'm almost 27. When I get frustrated, I I feel it. It, it gets hot, and I feel it in my eyes. Yeah, yeah and and you know, like, and that makes you look weak, you know, because because mm-hmm. crying makes you weak, you know that, you know. Yeah. I'm even if it, even when sure. it's coming from like, even when it's coming from a place of anger, still, it just it doesn't matter. Don't fucking cry. Yeah, that's, that's not how you expect you, you know you don't you don't express anger by making your eyes leak, okay? Yeah, that's that's not gonna do anything. But yeah, and uh, I I agree. Like I have specific, I've blocked out most of my childhood. I remember, like I have a you know those little things you would put the wheel into and you would click it and it would like change pictures. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I have like four of those for my entire childhood. I don't remember much. I don't remember many things from before, like nineteen. I just didn't happen. Yep. But uh, <clears throat> it is a very weird thing to look back in your past and realize when things changed and, you know, traumas you were holding. Because I had a similar occurrence to Nick, even hearing it now, because we, you know, I, of course, you know, Nick and I have talked to each other through just about everything. But, you know, like hearing the more intimate details is a little different. It's um, so when my grandfather died, I was a freshman in college. And that was many years ago. I've, I was in college for seven years. I've been out for a year now. So, which is really weird to think about that he's been gone for that long. So it's been about seven years. It's very weird to think about. And I realized I didn't cry when I found out. I was in the room when he passed. He had Alzheimer's, when he had a brain tumor. And, you know, it was a fucking ugly dementia downward spiral. And it was quick because the brain tumor. It was like six months. He went from being... A little flaky to thought he was still on the ship in Korea. So it was it was intense and I was there for a lot of it because you know, like you said, you know, you have to problem solve, you have to be a man. And you know, I saw and my, I inherited the same shit from my dad because my dad's your quintessential tough guy. He's quiet, he doesn't say much, and if he is talking, it's funny. Because he's not gonna say anything that's like sad or bummy or shit like that. There's a screenshot. I don't know if I still have it, but I told my dad, I was like, hey, man, like, how do you not kill yourself every day? What's the fucking point of being alive? And he was just like, I don't know. Like, he deadass was just like, I don't know, just do it. Like, I was like, damn, dog, that's wild. But then he did, like, actually parrot me. But he had to get that joke in first. He had to be like, well, I mean, fucking kill yourself then if you're so worried about it. And I was like, what? No, wait, no, that's illegal. Like, you made me, no. <laughs> no, stop. If you want me dead, you come kill me then, asshole. But, yeah, like, I, um, so my grandfather died in 2012. And I finally grieved in August of this year. I, uh,. I care. I just, I didn't know what to do with it. Like, it was just, I'm hurt. The man who raised me is dead. And he died a shitty, preventable death. So I'm bitter and I'm angry because being angry makes me feel better. Because at least being angry makes me feel like I'm not sitting around being sorry for myself. When at the same time, it's like, what the fuck am I mad at? The VA? Healthcare? I fuck. I'm mad at these abstract concepts when it's like, you know, I can either carry this anger around forever or I can recompense with it and make my peace and then I can heal and I can move on. And it's been hard, but it is, like you said, you feel your heart break in that wave. 
And the important part of all this, why we're saying all of this, Nick and I aren't trying to have the, the, you know, the misery Olympics or anything like that. The point in this is, is that no matter what kind of guy you think you are, you're a sweaty gamer, you're an athlete, you're an indie weirdo who likes drugs, there is a fundamental essence of what we've been subjected to by like masculonormative rules that you know sometimes it's there's nothing wrong with needing like i think i think we're doing it wrong you know what i mean like i think there's a better way to do it and actually the entire point of this podcast nick and i were like dude it'd be so much fun to riff about video games and talk about beer and music and cool shit like that but at the end of the day i mean even the name of this podcast half of it is literally inspired by mental illness that's where high risk comes from because nick and i are both you know mentally ill we're on the same ssris you know like so it's it's important and that's actually the point of the podcast we want to create a space that you know we're going to unite people we're going to show you hey this is you know this is still fun time joking about farts and dicks and shit like that i mean we had a bit about ejaculating being tantric yeah sting being tantric like we're here for the fun we're here for the laughs but at the end of the day like nick and i have been on both sides of it we've been you know shitty toxic typical men before but and you know we're still learning we're still growing every day and i think that's the important part of it i was getting ready to say that i was gonna say like this this is not to say that you and I are these, you know, Apex. perfectly reform perfectly reformed humans that are you know now we're now we're you know gurus on mental health and how to heal yourself because bro if I'm being honest I haven't taken my medicine two weeks and I need a refill because I just I I'm I'm busy I'm, you know I'm, yeah. I'm busy playing video games and I just can't be bothered to call the fucking pharmacy I can't and I you know. And that bugs me. I haven't gone to therapy in over a year. Um, and these are things that I need to address. And uh, I'm hoping this is an outlet for that, where I can yeah. talk about the things that I need to, need to talk about. And then it'll get, get my ass back in therapy. Yeah, and, and that's part of it. We, we want to show everyone it's okay to have had a shitty hand dealt to you. It's okay to have not handled it the best way. But the important part is, is when you're you know, confronted face to face with, you know, the need and the opportunity to change, dude, we'll help you. We will, you know, we will, we will drive the cart, just, you know, get on board. You know, we, we we're here for the community. We love what we do. We love what we're invested in. You know, we're both gamers at our heart and, um, we care, you know, and we don't want to see, you know, some of the toxic shittiness pervade communities that we genuinely care about. And, you know, are proud to be a part of so you know you know it we're all in this together the only way the world gets better is if we all love each other and you know and part of it is you know i know we did just talk a lot of time about toxic masculinity but this caveat has to be in here we're not saying that things aren't bad for women we absolutely yeah. know that there is unfairness and inequity beyond we could possibly comprehend. We know that, ladies. You will get your episode soon, I promise. We may even have a whammon come on as a guest. Who knows? But uh, I just wanted to say we acknowledge your struggle, and um, we are not 
uh, trying to erase it. We're just men who want to stay in our own lane and not speak about things we haven't personally perceived. But we acknowledge your struggle, and uh, please don't burn us at the stake. This is episode one. Give us a chance. Give, this is episode one. We will get we'll to you. Get I promise. We'll get there. We'll get there. I okay. promise. But I, mean, I we promise. Had to be first, though, right? We, we, had, we had to be first, though, right? Yeah, we had, we, we had to be first. I mean, <laughs> you know, this is what we did with all those extra 24 cents per dollar. We, uh, we funded a podcast. <laughs> no, um, you, you bring up a good point where, like, I don't want to speak on something I haven't personally experienced. But what I have experienced is being raised... Um, being raised a man, um, yeah. Being and, raised and a man, that's, and that's my experience. And in, in you know, I don't want to sit here and talk about how what it is to be a woman when I have zero experience, fucking zero clue. It's just, I don't know what women are. I don't know where clitori are. Whatever those. Are. I'm just kidding. I know where it is. I think. Or my partner's just lying to me because she cares about my self esteem. I don't know. I don't know. I know we, where the clitoris is. I mean, we, I we should we, we should get our partners on and we should do like a like a sex game show where it's like a Q and A. Does yeah, like, like does he know, know where, where the clitoris? Does he know where the clitoris is? And they both buzz in. They're like, no, no, he doesn't. He chews on it like bubble gum. That's not how it works. <laughs> He's been chewing on my labia for a year. It hurts. That was yeah. No, I I literally watched my wife give birth. And um, I'm not kidding. Uh, I'm not trying to, you know, suck up here because, you know, she's going to be cleared for sexual activity soon. That was one of the most badass things I've ever seen in my entire life. That was – I didn't I didn't know she had that kind of stamina. And um, I'll keep that in mind next time we actually do have sex. Oh, she's a powerful broad. <laughs> that Your wife is a strong woman. She scares me. I'm, bar- I'm scared of your wife but not the same way I'm scared of DJ's fiancé. That's fair. Like, see, that's the thing. Like, you and I have been friends for so long, and I remember when you first started dating your wife, like, back when we were fucking teenagers. Like, what were we, 20 when you started dating her? I was 20, yeah. Yeah, you were 20. And uh, so she knows me well enough how to terrorize me psychologically, which I will say. It's like that meme, the the little tiny dog, where it's like, like, careful, he'll hurt you. He doesn't look so tough. And she just says something like, you have three degrees and a shitty job. (laughs) <laughs> oh, she did that to me today. I was on my lunch break getting some games in with Nick and DJ, and she decided to tell me, you know, because, I mean, like, it was a compliment, and then, hot, like, semicolon, however, comma, you a fucking buster. Like, that's basically what she said to me, and it hurt. Like, Nan knows how to hurt me. She's made memes about how lame she thinks I am. It's They're on my Instagram. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. That should be a weekly thing. Here's my sister-in-law fucking flaming me. It's all love, baby. It's all love. But at the same time, she said if I were to die or if I were to kill myself, then, then you would you would be in line for the heir to the throne. Yeah, and that's only because she said I have three degrees and a shitty job, so I'm obviously the most patient of your friends. <laughs> Which means I will raise your daughter with care. I will still call her a hairy piece of chewed up bubblegum until she's not that's anymore. Right. Yeah, because yeah, Nick sent pictures of my niece to our group chat, and that baby had a big ass upper lip, Nick. Like she looked like Bro, fucking she got Al Capone. A upper lip, dude. She looked like Al Capone. I was just like, she's laying there all asleep with her fucking giant ass upper lip and her closed eyes and her fuzzy ass head, and she's like, "You mean to tell me that I've been born into this earth 
And there ain't no organic titty milk here? Are you kidding me? I make a simple request and you refuse to honor my request within three days of my birth? I can't believe oh, I'm this. I'm so hurt you said Al Capone. Because <laughs> I, I brought up a picture and her ass looks exactly like Al She looks like Al Capone. I'm not sorry. Nick plus Nan equals Al Capone, apparently. I can figure it out. <laughs> Thank God antibiotics are better nowadays. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, but that's uh so that's the the schmalty part that we wanted to get out of way, out of the way and uh that actually went on for a fat minute. Yeah, yeah, but so something that we've we I think we covered is is things things are changing. Times have changed. <laughs> we have changed. <laughs> my music taste, bro, has changed. Yes. Everything is so different now. I don't... I don't even listen to music the same way that I used to. No, no. Uh, like, bro... So, so, this... I, we didn't even plan for this. Bro, you showed me uh, the Coochie Man songs? Yes. So, quick caveat I can't... here. I'm in love with that meme. There's a guy on Why TikTok... NJ? There's a guy on TikTok. He makes a ton of these Coochie Man memes... And they're fucking bangers. They're, they're, they're oh my god, they're so I'm good. I'm different. I'm different. I'm different. <laughs> like they're so good. They're so fucking funny. I don't care what anyone says. The shit's funny to me, and I know funny. And uh, so I, coochie me. Just on, See, a, on man, an ass. The man just loves big fat asses, and you know what? I do too. <laughs> But, like, it's these Coochie Man memes. So I had to send the song to Nick because I've been sending him Coochie Man memes for, like, two months now at this point. I've been just like, Coochie Man. And Nick's just like, God damn it, I hate it here. So I finally sent him the song. And it's the worst song I've ever heard. It's the fucking worst. I'm the Coochie Man. Uh, like, he, I'm not kidding. That is exactly what he does. She fell asleep at a club with a coochie out. And I'm like, Ew! <laughs> Gross! Ew, you better keep your hands to yourself. Yeah, you better fucking take off your jacket and put it over her lap. You fucking barbarian. Don't just sit there. This woman's in distress. You better fucking not. Yeah, like, you better either help or find somebody who will. Where her girlfriend's at? You... <laughs> where's, where's, where's Holly at? Where's she been? Where's Kelly? <laughs> So that's going to be half of the show is we're just going to make references to our favorite stand-up comedians. I'm fine with that. We're but just going to give them shout-outs. Every, every band and or artist, it's, it's just one song now. Everything is one song. Like, even historically, I don't care. All right, so go find your old iPod if you didn't sell it for weed. Go find it. Hey, that was very <laughs> that was very pointed. I didn't like that. <laughs> that was an accident, but ding ding, battleship. So <laughs> I uh I found my old iPod recently. I still have my two gig nano. Oh yeah. Daddy's got the relic. So I looked through my two gig nano, I was like, oh man, look at all these good post hardcore bands I used to listen to. I'm like, I'm gonna fucking sit here and listen to Miss May I, the whole album. All the way, all the way through. You know what I did? I skipped a forgive and forget. I listened to the song and I was like, now I gotta listen to another band. 
That's how it goes. <laughs> Every artist is one song, and I blame the fact that I listen to nothing but shit on Spotify now. It's tough. It's just tough. Out- Outcast is just roses. Really? That's your pick? Yeah. It's Bombs Over Baghdad. It's just too repetitive for me. It is. It is. But I and, actually... And I can't, like, call me a boomer if you want. I can't understand what he's saying. Actually, do you know what my outcast song is? And this is going to date myself. Oh, Jackson? No. What? It's Ghetto Music. Oh, okay. Oh, From like NBA Live 2004, baby. That was my fucking first sports video game, and I loved it. That was my favorite fucking game as a kid. I loved fucking Vince Carter on the cover of that bitch. He was one of my favorite basketball players of all time. He just put the elbow in the rim, just look at motherfuckers like, like he just dunked a la muerte. Like, yeah, he literally like, ended a man's career. He was the nicest. He was. There was nothing to be said beyond you know, God legend, mode. legend states he's still playing basketball to this day. Where, why do you think James Harden is so good? <laughs> Actually, James Harden doesn't even play like... Like, Vince Carter was just one of the most aggressive basketball players ever. And he was good. Like, he was he was a reasonably tall dude. He was stocky as fuck. And he could just... That dude could drive, man. He could fucking push through. I'm not even a sports guy. And I just love Vince Carter. He's the fucking man. But to the point, like, music is just different now. And I'm someone who makes music. And it's still it's just like even I go through phases where I'm listening to my own music and I'm trying to produce things and I'm listening to other stuff for inspiration. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like I make a lot of like electron. I make like essentially like dark trap, dark synth kind of music. Just kind of like, you know, it's still thumpers or still heavy 808s, but it's just kind of eerie. So it's always, always Halloween in my studio. And by my studio, I mean the same exact fucking spot I'm sitting now recording the show. But it's just, I listen to music. I'm like, what the fuck is this? I can't listen. Like, I either listen to one song by an artist or I listen to a two-hour YouTube video that's just, like, chill lo-fi to study to. Mm. I found one, Nick. I think you'll like this. It's called Chill Lo-Fi to Have an Existential Crisis too. <laughs> and you know I listen to that all the time at work. I just put that bitch on and I'm like... Oh, I'm so existentially uncomfortable. But it's like, that's music now. Like, it's just... I'm so existentially uncomfortable. Is this even real life? Yeah, no. I Don't even get me started. That's another episode. And we. I promise we will do the simulation episode. We have to do it. Because <laughs> I am going to get really um, not sober. And I'm going to talk a lot about how I think the universe doesn't actually exist. I, Nick didn't know that until now, but he's. You guys don't see it, but he's he's gonna he's got opinions. Wide-eyed, bushy-tailed. He's wide-eyed, <laughs> bushy-tailed. It's gonna be fun. I'm gonna get really not sober and tell you guys my secret conspiracies that the world is fake and it's all an experiment. It's gonna be good times. Uh, on that note, I think uh, I think we need to get out of here. Um, I think we've rambled and and gone off on tangents enough for you to for 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 enough for episode one. Um, yeah, and we'll be back next time. Iggy, you want to you want to sign off here? Yeah, definitely. Um, thank you guys so much for taking. If you listen to however long this ends up being, I don't know what kind of movie magic is going to go into getting this one out. But if you've managed to stick around this long, seriously, thank you. It matters so much to us. 
We're really passionate about what we're trying to put out here, and it means a lot. Thank you so much for everyone who listened. Um, we hope to see you guys next week. And uh, I don't know about you, Nick, but I think it's I think it's time to drop in. Yeah, for sure. I right, catch you in Verdansk, boy. All right, see you in Verdansk, <laughs> homie. See you. See ya.